0: Welcome back to another week of History Shouldn't Be a Mystery with me, your host, Connor Blanels, for today we're going to be talking about Isabella I of Castile, the Queen of Castile who laid the foundation for the unification of Spain, completed the reconquista of the Iberian Peninsula, and instituted numerous legal And economic reforms within her domain during her time. So as always, let's jump right into it by discussing the early life of Isabella I. Isabella was born in Madrigal de las Altas Torres to to John II of Castile and his second wife, Isabella of Portugal, on the 22nd of April, 1451. At the time of her birth, she was second in line to the throne after her her older brother, older half-brother, Henry IV of Castile. Henry at the time was 26 and married but he ended up dying childless and as a result her younger brother alfonso of castile who was born two years later on the 17th of november 1453 lowered her to the position of third in line to the throne when her father died in 1454 her half brother ascended to the throne as king henry IV of castile isabel and her brother alfonso were then left in henry's care however she and her mother and alfonso were then moved to arevalo However, the times at Artifato were times of turmoil for Isabella. Living conditions at their castle were quite poor, and they suffered from a shortage of money quite often. Although her father had arranged in his will for for his children to be financially well taken care of, King Henry did not comply with his father's wishes, either from a desire to keep his half-siblings restricted or from ineptitude. Even though living conditions were difficult, though, under the careful eye of her mother, Isabella was instructed in lessons of practical piety and in deep reverence of religion, which laid the foundation for her strong religious beliefs, which were quite notable during her reign. When the king's wife, Joan of Portugal, was about to give birth to their daughter, Joana, Isabel and her brother, Alfonso, were summoned to the court in Segovia to come under the direct supervision of King Henry IV and to finish their education. Alfonso was placed in the care of a tutor while Isabella became part of the queen's household. Some of Isabella's during this time would improve in Segovia. She always had food and clothing and lived in a castle that was adorned with gold and silver. Isabella's basic education largely consisted of reading, spelling, writing, grammar, history, mathematics... Uh, Art, chess, dancing, embroidery, music, and religious instruction. She and her various ladies-in-waiting entertained themselves with art, embroidery, and music as well. She lived a more relaxed lifestyle, but rarely left Segovia since King Henry forbade this. Her half-brother was keeping her from the political turmoil that was going on during the time within the kingdom. Though Isabella had full knowledge of what was going on and of her part in the feuds. Now, this view to be in more specific was in regards to the noblemen, who were anxious for power and confronted King Henry, demanding that his younger brother, the Infante Alfonso, be named his successor. They even went so far as to ask Alfonso to seize the throne. The nobles, now in control of Henry's younger brother, Alfonso, and claiming that he was the true heir, clashed with King Henry's forces at the Second Battle of Olmedo in 1467. However, the battle was a draw, and while King Henry agreed to recognize Alfonso as his heir presumptive, provided that he would marry his daughter, Princess de la Petroneja, soon after he was named the Prince of Asturias. Isabella's younger brother, Alfonso however, would die in 1468, likely of the plague. The nobles who had supported him suspected poisoning on behalf of King Henry's side. However, Isabella had been named in her brother's will, this brother being Alfonso, not King Henry, as his successor, and as a result, those nobles who had originally supported Alfonso had asked Isabella to take his place as a champion of their rebellion against King Henry. However, support for the rebels around this time was beginning to wane, and Isabella preferred a negotiated settlement to continuing the war. She met with her elder brother Henry at Tortos de Guisando, and they reached a compromise. The war would stop, King Henry would name Isabella his heir presumptive instead of his daughter Joanna, and Isabella would not marry without her brother's consent, but he would not be able to force her to marry against her will. Isabella's side came out with most of what the nobles desired, though they did not go so far as to officially depose King Henry as they were not powerful enough to do so, and Isabella did not want to jeopardize the principle of fair inherited succession, since it was upon this idea that she had based her argument for legitimacy as heir presumptive. At the beginning of this show, as I mentioned earlier, the question of marriage for Isabella was extremely important, especially considering that ultimately the question of marriage would result in her marriage to the king of Aragon and the eventual unification of Spain. And as we previously just discussed in regards to the treaty that was made, that she would be required to marry, however, not without her consent. So the question of Isabella's marriage after the signing of the treaty with King Henry was not a new one. She had been in a betrothal to Ferdinand, the younger son of John II of Navarra, whose family was a cadet branch of House Trastamara, the ruling branch of those in, of the royal family of Castile at the time, since the age of six, as at that time, the two kings, Henry and John, were eager, eager to show their mutual love and confidence, and they believed that a double alliance between their two nations would make their eternal friendship obvious to the world. However, this arrangement would not last very long. Ferdinand's uncle Alfonso V of Aragon died in 1458 and all of Alfonso's Spanish territories as well as those as well as the islands of Sicily and Sardinia were left to his brother John II. John II now had a stronger position than ever before and no longer needed the security of Henry's friendship. The King Henry was now in, in need of a new alliance and he saw the chance for this much-needed new friendship in Charles of Vienna, John's elder son. Charles was constantly at odds with his father, and because of this, he secretly entered into an alliance with King Henry IV of Castile. A major part of the alliance was that a marriage was to be arranged between Charles and Isabella. When John II learned of this arranged marriage, he was outraged, and Isabella, as Isabella had been intended for his favorite younger son— Ferdinand, his heir, and in his eyes, this alliance was still valid. John II had his son, Charles, thrown in prison on charges of plotting against his father's life, and he would die in 1461, putting an end to his alliance with King Henry and King Henry's plans against John II. In 1465, an attempt was made to marry Isabella to Alfonso V of Portugal, Henry's brother-in-law, through the medium of the Queen and Count of Valadizma. A Portuguese alliance was made through this. Isabel, however, was wary of the marriage and refused to consent, which she was allowed to do under the treaty that was previously signed that ended the civil war within Castile, as I mentioned earlier. While all this talk about marriage was going on, many nobles saw King Henry's reign as one of ineptness, and inability for him to truly act as a sovereign, and as a result, a civil war ended up breaking out within Castile. Henry needed a quick way to to please the rebels of the kingdom and as part of the agreement to restore the peace Isabella was betrothed to Pedro Garron Acuna Pacheo a master of the order of Calatrava and brother to the king's favorite Juan Pacheco in return Don Pedro would pay into the impoverished royal treasury which is largely drained by large financial expenses that were made by King Henry part of the reason why they saw him as inept Don Pedro would be paying in a a large amount to the impoverished treasury at the time. Seeing no alternative, Henry would agree to this marriage. Isabella however, was aghast and prayed to God that the marriage would not come to pass. Her prayers were answered when Don Pedro suddenly fell ill and died while on his way to meet his fiancée. When Henry had recognized Isabella as his heir presumptive on the 19th of September, 1468, as I mentioned earlier, he, would, he agreed not to compel her, into a marriage without her consent. And it seemed that fi- finally the years of failed attempts at political marriages were over after these numerous rejections and unfortunate events that would happen to her uh, fiancés. And although never seriously considered, there was talk of a marriage to Edward IV of England or to one of his brothers, probably Richard the Duke of Gloucester, but this alliance was actually never seriously considered. However, once again, the question of marriage was still up in the air. So in 1468, a marriage proposal arrived from Alfonso V of Portugal. Going against his promises made in September, Henry tried to make the marriage once again a reality. If Isabella married Alfonso, Henry's daughter Joanna would marry Alfonso's son John II, and thus, after the death of the old king, John and Joanna could inherit Portugal and Castile, uniting the two kingdoms. Isabella, however, would refuse and made a secret promise to marry her cousin and very first betrothed Ferdinand of Aragon. However, later on, it is important to note that Spain at this point will actually inherit the kingdom of, of uh, Portugal later on. But that's a topic for another day. After this failed marriage attempt with Portugal, Henry was once, again, once again went against his promises and tried to marry Isabella to Louis XI's brother, Charles, the Duke of Berry. In Henry's eyes, this alliance would cement the friendship of Castile and France, as well as remove Isabella from Castilian affairs. Isabella, however, once again refused the proposal. Meanwhile, John II of Aragon negotiated in secret with Isabella, a wedding to his son Ferdinand. And as a result, on the 18th of October, 1469, the formal, formal betrothal took place. Because Isabel and Ferdinand were second cousins, however, they stood within the prohibited degrees of consanguinity, and the marriage would not be legal unless a dispensation from the pope was obtained. With the help of the Valencian cardinal Rodrigo Borriga, later Alexander, the, Alexander VI, Isabel and Ferdinand were presented with a supposed papal bull from Pius II, authorizing Ferdinand to marry within the third degree of consanguinity, making their lar- marriage legal. Afraid of opposition, Isabella eloped from the court of Henry with the excuse of visiting her brother Alfonso's tomb in Avila. Ferdinand, on the other hand, crossed Castile in, in secret disguise as a servant. They were married immediately upon reuniting on the 19th of October, of 1469, in the Palacio de los Vivero in the city of Valladolid. Uh. After her marriage to the Ferdinand, on the 12th of December, 1474, Isabella's brother, King Henry IV, would die in Madrid. And news of this would reach Segovia, where Isabella was, prompting her to take refuge within the walls of the Alcazar of Segovia, where she received the support of Andres de Cabrera and Segovia's council. The next day, she was proclaimed the Queen of Castile and Leon. Isabella's reign got off to a rocky start. Because her brother had named Isabella as his successor when she ascended to the throne in 1474, there were already seven plots against her. Diego Pacheco, the Marquis de Villena, who was betrothed to her earlier, and it, and his followers, maintained that Joana la Patrona, the daughter of King Henry IV, was a rightful queen. Shortly after the Marquise made his claim, a longtime supporter of Isabella, the Archbishop of Toledo, left court the plot with his great-nephew, the Marquise. The Archbishop and Marquise made plans to have Joana marry her uncle, King Alfonso V of Portugal, and to invade Castile to claim the throne for themselves. In May of 1475, King Alfonso and his army crossed into Spain and advanced to Plasencia, where he married the young, jo- young Joana. A long and bloody war for the Castilian succession then would take place. The war constantly went back and forth between the both sides for almost a year until March 1st of 1476 for the Battle of Torto take place, a battle in which both sides ended up claiming victory and celebrating said victory. The troops of King Alfonso V were beaten by the Castilian center left commanded by the Duke of Alba. And Cardinal Mendoza, while the forces led by John of Portugal defeated the Castilian right wing and remained in possession of much of the battlefield, hence why it was considered a victory by both sides. But despite its uncertain outcome, the Battle of Toro represented a great political victory for the Catholic monarchs, this being Ferdinand and Isabella of Aragon and Castile, assuring them that the throne, assuring them the throne, since the supporters of John Joana la Petroneja, disbanded, and the Portuguese army at the time was without allies, and left Castile, as summarized by the historian Le González. Both armies faced each other at the, cam- at the camps of Toro, resulting in an indecisive battle, as I mentioned earlier. But while the Portuguese king reorganized his troops following this battle, Ferdinand sent news to all the cities of Castile and to several foreign kingdoms, informing them about a huge victory where the Portuguese were crushed. Faced with this news, the party of la Bet- Beltran was dissolved, and the Portuguese forces, now left without allies, as I mentioned earlier, was forced to retreat to their kingdom, securing the throne for the Catholic monarchs. With great political vision after this, Isabella took advantage of the moment and convoked courts at Magigal and Segovia in April and October 1476, where her eldest child and daughter, Isabella II, was first sworn in as heiress to Castile's crown. This was basically the equivalent of legitimizing Isabella's own throne and her own line of succession. In August of the same year, Isabel proved her abilities as a powerful ruler on her own. A rebellion had broken out in Segovia, and Isabella had rode out herself to suppress it, as her husband Ferdinand was off fighting at the time. Going against the advice of her male advisors, Isabella rode into the city to negotiate with the rebels personally. She was successful, and the rebellion was brought to a quick end, and two years later, Isabella further secured her place as ruler with the birth of her son John, the prince of Asturias, on the 30th of June, 1478. And to many, the presence of this male heir legitimized her place as ruler of Castile and Leon. Meanwhile, the Castilian and Portuguese fleets during the war for succession, as I mentioned earlier, were fighting in the Atlantic Ocean and for the wealth of Guinea, which at the time was valuable largely for its gold and slave exports, where the the decisive naval battle of Guinea was fought. The war dragged on after this for about three years until it ended with a Castilian victory on land, but a Portuguese victory on the sea, and four separate peace treaties were eventually signed to end the war. 1. Within this treaty, while the Portuguese had to give up their claims to the throne of Castile... The Castilians, however, had to give up numerous financial uh, assets, which would eventually result in a difficult financial situation and scarcity of certain resources for the Kingdom of Castile. However, this would eventually be fixed by Christopher Columbus, whose discovery of the New World led to a new and much more balanced sharing of the Atlantic with Portugal in the Treaty of Tordesillas in 1494, which also expanded the amount of resources and gave access to the gold and slaves that eventually that Spain lo- well, that Castile lost against the Portuguese during the treaties made. For all of you just joining in, welcome back to History Shouldn't Be a Mystery, where this week we're talking about Isabella I of Castile. We just got done talking about the early parts of her reign and her wars with Portugal, and now we're going to get into some of her most important reforms for the kingdom itself. When Isabella came to the throne in 1474, Castile was in a state of despair due to her brother Henry's reign. It was not unknown that Henry IV was a big spender and did little to enforce the laws of his kingdom. It was even said by one Castilian denizen of the time that murder, rape, and robbery had happened without punishment within the kingdom. And because of this, Isabella needed desperately to find a way to reform her kingdom. Due to the measures imposed, historians during her lifetime saw her to be more inclined to justice rather than mercy, and indeed far more rigorous and unforgiving than her husband Ferdinand when it came to. punishment of the law in, in enforcing the law isabella's first major reform came dur- during the cortes of Madrigal in 1476 in the form of establishing the first police force for the kingdom the la santa Hermanidad, the holy brotherhood while 1476 was not the first time that castile had first seen the herm Hermandad, it was the first time that the police force was actually used by the crown. During the late medieval period, the expression Hermandad had been used to describe groups of men who had come together of their own accord to regulate law and order by patrolling the roads and countryside and punishing malfactors. These brotherhoods had usually been suppressed by the monarchs, but in 1476, the justice system in most parts of the country was effectively under the control of dissident members of the nobility rather than royal officials. And to fix this problem during 1476, a general Hermandad was established for Castile, Leon, and Asturias. The police force was to be made up of locals who were to regulate the crime occurring within the kingdom and was paid for by a tax of 1,800 of 1, maravedis on every 100 households. Keeping with her reformation of the regulation of laws, in 1481, Isabella then would charge two officials with restoring soaring peace in Galicia. This, this turbulent province had been the prey of tyrant nobles since the days of Isabella's father, John II. Robbers infested the highways and oppressed smaller towns and villages, and these officials set off with the Herculean task of restoring peace for the province. The officials were, however, successful and succeeded in driving out over 1,500 robbers from the province of Galicia. From the very beginning of her reign, it was clear that Isabella fully grasped the importance of restoring the crown's finances, and unlike her brother Henry V, who had left the kingdom in great debt, Upon examination, it was found that the chief cause of the nation's poverty was the wholesale alienation of the royal estates during Henry's reign, and to make money, Henry had sold off various royal estates at prices well below their value. The Cortes of Toledo of 1480 came to the conclusion that the only hope of lasting financial reform lay in the resumption of these alienated lands and rents. This decision was warmly approved by many of the leading nobles of the court, who despised the decisions made by King Henry in regards to the selling of that land. But Isabella was reluctant to take such drastic measures, and thus it was decided that the Cardinal of Spain would hold an inquiry into the tenure of estates and rents acquired during Henry the Fourth's reign. Those that had not been granted as a reward for services were to be restored without compensation, while those that had been sold at a price far below their real value were to be bought back at the same sum." While many of the nobility were forced to pay large sums of money for their estates, the royal treasury became ever richer, and Isabella's one stipulation was that there would be no revocation of gifts made to churches, hospitals, or the poor. Another issue of money, however, was the overproduction of coinage and the abundance of mints within the kingdom. During Henry's reign, the number of mints regularly producing money had increased from just 5 to 150. Much of the coinage produced in these mints was nearly worthless as a result of hyperinflation. During the first years of her reign, Isabella established a monopoly over the royal mints and fixed a legal standard to which the coinage had to be approximate. By shutting down many of the mints and taking royal control over the production of money, Isabella restored the confidence of the public in the crown's ability to handle the kingdom's finances. In regards to the reforms with the government, both Isabel and Ferdinand established very few new governmental and administrative institutions in their respective kingdoms. Especially in Castile, the main achievement was to use more effectively the already existing institutions during the, that were created during the reigns of John II and Henry IV. Historically, the center of the Castilian government had been the royal household and its surrounding court. The household at the time was traditionally divided up into two overlapping bodies. The first body, made up of household officials, mainly people of nobility, carried out governmental and political functions for which they received special payment. The second body was made up up of some 200 permanent servants who performed a wide range of confidential functions on behalf of the rulers. By the 1470s, Isabella had begun to take a firm grip on royal administration. The senior officers of the royal household were simply honorary titles and held strictly by nobility. The positions of more secretarial nature were often held by senior churchmen. Substantial revenues were attached to such offices and were therefore enjoyed greatly on an effectively hereditary basis by the great Castilian houses of nobility. While the nobles held the titles, individuals of lesser breeding did the real work. Traditionally, the main advisory body to the rulers of Castile at the time, was the royal council. The council under the monarchs had full power to resolve all legal and political disputes. The council was responsible for supervising all senior administrative officials, such as the crown representatives in all major towns. It also had the Supreme Judicial Tribunal of the kingdom, and in 1480, during the Cortes of Toledo, Isabella made many more reforms to the royal council. Previously, there had been two distinct but overlapping categories of royal counselor. One formed a group w- which possessed both judicial and administrative responsibilities, and this portion consisted of numerous bishops, nobles and an increasingly important element of professional administrators with legal training. The second category of traditional counselor had a less formal role and this role was greatly dependent on, the, on an individual's political influence and personal influence with the monarch. During Isabella's reign the role of the secondary car- category was completely eliminated and as I mentioned previously Isabella had little care for bribes or personal favors and because of this the second type of counselor was only allowed to attend the, counselor, the council of Castile as an observer. And during her reign and during the time of her various reforms within the kingdom from fourteen eighty two to fourteen ninety two Isabella and Fernanda would complete the Reconquista, annexing the emirate of Granada in southern Spain and they would also move on with the uh, move forward to expel religious minorities within their kingdoms with the Alhambra decree of on the thirty first of March fourteen ninety two demanding that the Jewish people within the kingdom would leave or convert to Catholicism. Isabella however would not rule forever and on the 14th of september 1504 she would withdraw from government affairs and proceed to die on the 26th of november of that very same year the reign of isabella saw the groundwork and foundations laid for the future kingdom of spain which would become one of the global hegemonic powers as is seen during the 30 years war and their vast colonization of the new world join us next time in history shouldn't be a mystery where we jump 400 years into the future to discuss about one of the most prominent military leaders of France during the 19th century.